Good evening, everyone. Thank you for joining me for the Spirit of Prophecy podcast. Excited to be going live tonight. And as always, I will try to pay attention to the live chat in case anyone has any questions or anything. But as usual, I'll probably get distracted and miss half of what's said. But either way, um, stay engaged on there. If you do have a question, start it out put down question and then put it, it'll make it easier for me to spot if there's a lot going on in the live chat. But um, anyway, we are um, excited about tonight's subject. I've got some videos that I wanna play for you uh, that uh, go along with this subject that I'm sure you will find very frustrating. I've got a four minute video of just cringe city that I'm gonna see if you all have the willpower to get through. And while you're going to hate this video, there's some things you just have to see. Okay. I'm, I'm telling you, don't, don't shut it off and skip it. You kind of need to see this stuff. Um, it's, it's some of it, some of it's kind of funny. All right. So, um, but yeah, so hopefully too, again, uh, going to try doing more in the evening. I'm excited about next week's guest. I'm going to be going, I'm planning on going live next week. And I'm going to have Brother Donnie Badinsky on the program. And if you have watched any of uh, the Standing for Truth channel, um, Brother Donnie, he's the one who's always hosting the debates on a bunch of different things. He's got tons of them. And um, I, th I thought it would be fun to have him on the program. As somebody who just moderates debates, I kind of like to just get his perspective when it comes to just all the different sides in eschatology. And the Jews, uh, he's probably heard it all doing what he's doing. And uh, he does a good job of while he has his positions and uh, his beliefs. Uh, I haven't heard anybody complain about how he moderates debates and stuff. He does a really good job. So I think that'll be a fun conversation next week. He should have some interesting things to say. But uh, and then hopefully, too, you got a chance to watch the shorter video I did about uh about israel i don't even remember what i don't even remember what the subject was just released it this week uh but i'm going to try putting out more videos like that that can just quickly answer questions and so i was actually um the subject we're going to be doing tonight is one i was planning on doing a short video on but i just couldn't figure out a way to make it short i just i couldn't do it um i still might eventually but i thought i'm going to do a longer video on the subject of the apple of God's eye, the apple of God's eye. Uh, this is something that a lot of people are teaching that Israel today, modern day Israel and modern day Jews are the apple of God's eye. They like to go to Zechariah 2, 8 for thus saith the Lord of hosts after the glory that he has sent me unto the nations, which spoiled you for he that toucheth you toucheth the apple of his eye and yes we are we have preachers all over of all stripes including fundamental baptists teaching that modern day jews and modern day israel is the apple of god's eye and so it didn't take me much time at all to find these videos i just went on youtube and i just searched israel apple of god's eye uh, I did search a couple names specifically because I knew they would say something about it. And I easily found these videos. I could have made a super long montage of people talking about 
modern day Israel and modern day Jews being the apple of God's eye. And so we're going to play this for you and just please don't turn it off. It's just four minutes. You can hang on for four minutes and let me just give a little teaser to help you hang on to. It'll be worth it. If you can watch the crazy lady with the Zionist flag skirt, you, you have to watch it. Okay. She's, she's very interesting. So here we go. Starting with none other than John Hagee himself. So here we go. And he said that Israel is the apple of my eye. That means the pupil. Hmm. Meaning if you abuse the Jewish people, you are sticking your finger in the eye of God. The book of Zechariah says that those who touch Israel are touching the apple of God's eye. It's possible that Moses himself will walk these streets and say, Yeshua, he's your Messiah. Yeshua, he's your Messiah. Yeshua, he's your Messiah. Yeshua, he's your Messiah. Well, call him this. Scared, aren't you? You're scared of a woman preacher that's packing truth all over her. You hate me because I tell you the truth. Just because you are the apple of God. Zechariah 2 verse 8, God calls Israel the apple of his eye, and he's angry with the nations that came against Israel to destroy them. And they came against Israel because Israel was under judgment for their sins. And yet, even under judgment, God still calls them the apple of his eye. Why does God talk like that? The apple of his eye. First of all, what is the apple of your eye? Well, it's the pupil. Right? And, and and that means God looks at the world through the lens of Israel. Because Israel is the epicenter. Israel is the country that he cares about most. In this video, I'm going to show you how Israel is still the apple of God's eye, the pupil, the very center of his eye, and how this will bring great value to you because when you understand this, you're going to begin to have a closer relationship with God because you understand that he still loves his people, his cherished people, the people of Israel. This is a warning from God to all of you world leaders that think you are going to come against Israel. Israel is not a place it's a people and we are the apple of God's eye you have all been warned world leaders you better repent in the name of Jesus Christ the Lord while you still have time because the Lord thy God will not be mocked thank you I'm doing very well and I'm very excited to speak about why Israel <laughs> thank you yeah well I thought maybe that would be a good place to start so why do you think Israel is so important to believers all over the world well, I do believe in the Bible. I believe in God of Israel. And uh, as we read the Bible, we see that God put Israel in a very specific place. Uh, as he said that Israel is the apple of his eye. And he said that whoever will bless Israel will be blessed as individual people and also as nations. And one way you can tell prophetic time is to know that God doesn't use a calendar. God doesn't use a watch. God uses the nation of Israel. And if God is dealing with Israel, then the prophetic clock is counting down. 
And the more Israel's in the news, then the closer we are to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Go to Zechariah chapter two and verse number eight. And look what God said in his word. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, for he that toucheth you, toucheth what? The apple of his eye. Have you ever put your finger in your eye and, uh, and touched your eyeball? That's not a good feeling. And God said, when you go against the Jew, you're putting your finger in God's eye. That's how he described the pain. That's what it does to him. Okay. All right. So I don't think I lost too many of you in that four minutes. That was brutal. And the amount of foolishness and stupidity that was in there is just, it's, there's too much to address, but um, man, what'd you all think of that woman street preacher there <laughs> that was, that was packing all that, all that truth that those people couldn't handle. Oh, I mean, it's things like this that just, it makes me really frustrated and it's just like, you know, Lord, why are you not just completely raining down fire and brimstone on America? Who cares about the Christians that are here? We deserve to get creamed. The 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 fact, and he, he said, folks, there was a broad range there. They're all saying the same thing. Israel's the apple of God's eye. Everything from John Hagee to crazy street preacher lady to independent fundamental Baptist at the end, preaching that, talking about God isn't using a clock. He's using the nation of Israel and just everything is centered around Israel. <laughs> uh, sorry, I just, uh, I saw Ellison's comment <laughs> in there and <clears throat> that, that was not nice, but it was, it was pretty funny. Uh, you got me distracted. Um, but every, everybody's saying this now we're going to go to the scriptures here in a little bit and show how wrong uh, all these people are, but I am going to go back to this John Hagee clip. I'm going to show a little bit more of it. Uh, I want you to hear everything. Uh, it's just a 44 second clip. I want you to hear a little more of what he says, because this is just off the charts, foolishness and stupidity. And once we you know, look at the scriptures and understand what the Bible's saying, it just shows you how messed up all this is. But people just keep saying this, you know, a lot of the, some of those videos are saying how Israel is still the apple of God's eye. And they had to keep saying that, too, because there were plenty of reasons to doubt. Um, you know, there's plenty, plenty of reasons for people to doubt that they are not because they are not. So, uh, you know, I, I need to, uh, I'm getting rid of Rosh guy. He this is the weirdest person I've ever seen in my life. But anyway, so let's go ahead and watch this 44 second clip by John Hagee. Listen to what he has to say. And he said that Israel is the apple of my eye. That means the pupil. Hmm. Meaning if you abuse the Jewish people, you are sticking your finger in the eye of God, which will always get his negative attention. Mm -hmm. And he said that I am the defender of Israel. And he has promised the Jewish people that once they came out of their Gentile graves from the diaspora, hmm. and they were gone for 1,875 years, and they came back to the land of Israel. He said, once they come back into the land of Israel for the third time, they are never, ever going to be replaced or displaced again. All right. So, again, 
there's so much to say about what he said right there. But I showed that too because Baptists, they act like that they did not get a lot of their theology from John Hagee. But when you have an error this big and this specific, and when you hear many, many different preachers making that ex exact same massive error, you know, you have to assume they probably got it from somebody way up on the top. And Hagee's been preaching this stuff for years. And so, uh, first off, he is, he's, uh, basically what he was saying there is that um, Israel coming back to the land in 1948 was the fulfillment of Ezekiel 37, even though Ezekiel 37 is said when they come out of their graves, literally speaking in the resurrection, that's when these things will have their full fulfillment. We are going to sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom, meaning there has to be a resurrection and there will be a resurrection. They will, those of the old Testament who are of faith, they will receive the promises that God made to them. But no, John Hagee has been saying for years that that was fulfilled in 1948 and Baptists have been ignorantly, foolishly repeating that. And so that is, that's a very specific error. And notice how too, he was saying in there that, you know, messing with Israel, it's like touching the center of God's eye, which is the exact same thing that Ralph Sexton, independent Baptist preacher also said, it's like, do, does anyone ever just go to the scriptures and study or do they just find a Pope and listen to what they have to say and then just repeat them verbatim? Because these mistakes are very easy to prove. So let's go, because I, I don't want to just give my opinion. All right? I've been running my mouth here for a while, just showing the foolishness. I showed a lot of examples. And let me tell you, I would say a vast majority of independent fundamental Baptist preachers today, if you ask them who is the apple of God's eye, they would say Israel or the Jews, but I'm going to, again, I'm going to ask some questions that you need to be able to answer and you can't, but here we can. So let's go ahead and look at some scripture. All right. Just to understand this phrase, you know, the apple of the eye, we already covered Zechariah two, eight, where it says he that toucheth you toucheth the apple of his eye. So does that mean it's like you're, you're poking God in the eye and irritating him? Is that what it means? That's what John Hagee said. That's what Ralph Sexton says. That's what, that's what they say. Now, if you, if you just look up apple of the eye, you can like do a search online. The definition means a person or thing that someone loves very much. It shows something that is very special or the center of one's affection. That's what the apple of the eye is. It's, it's an idiom. So it doesn't mean if you touch Israel, you're, you're poking God's eye. No, when what it's saying here, if you touch Israel, okay, you are you're touching the apple of his eye. In other words, the center of his affection is what, what it's talking about. And uh, that's not good. You don't want to mess with those that God loves for sure. And let me just say in Zechariah 2, 8, it was in fact talking about Israel. Okay? There, there's no doubt about that. But I'm just, I, I want to point this out to show that no, it's not mean you're poking God in the eye like these people are saying. No, it's referring to them as the center of his affection. We see in Psalms 17, 8, it says, keep me as the apple of the eye. Hide me under the shadow of thy wings. He, want, he wanted to be in God's good graces, in God's 
affection. Proverbs 7, 1 says, My son, keep my words and lay up my commandments with thee. Keep my commandments and live and my law as the apple of thine eye. The scriptures, God's word, it ought to be the center of our affection. We should greatly love it. We should cherish it. And so anybody, you know, you could say the apple of their eye is just what they look at and love the most. And so uh, I think that's a good way to look at it. And so, again, it doesn't mean you're poking them in the eye. Okay. I, I don't know where Hagee got that. I'm going to guess that's where Ralph Sexton probably got it because they say a lot of similar things. But um, so, yeah, so, uh, but it, it was Israel. Okay. Deuteronomy 32, nine for the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the lot of his inheritance. He found him in a desert land and in a waste howling wilderness. He led him about, he instructed him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. All right. So notice that he kept him. So this is talking about Jacob. It's talking about Israel. It's talking about his people. So if you want to know who the apple of God's eye is, it's his people. Now that has not changed. God's people have always been the apple of his eye. Now here's the question. Why did you know that we can know the answer to that? You know, there's a lot of questions that we don't know the answers to that. The scriptures hasn't given us the answer. God has not revealed that to us yet, but there are some things that were a question at one time that God has revealed the answer to us. And yet many Christians teach these things as if they have not been revealed. No, these things have been revealed. God's people are the apple of his eye. That's what it says here in Deuteronomy and Lamentations 2.18. It says, uh, th their heart cried unto the Lord, O wall of the daughter of Zion, let tears run down like a river day and night. Give thyself no rest. Let not the apple of thine eye cease. So without a doubt, the apple of God's eye is his people. If you touch his people, you are touching the center of his affection, the people that he loves and cherishes. Doesn't mean you're poking God in the eye. Come on. Okay, that, that's, not, that's not what it's saying. So without a doubt, the apple of God's eye is his people. So the big question is, who are his people today under the new covenant? And this is where, this is why they have to continually say, Israel is still the apple of his eye. Israel is still God's chosen people. And whenever they say things like that, one, it reveals a dispensational mindset in many ways, but often too, they are also responding to something else they don't understand. Typically, if these people say this, sometimes they're just, they're just flat out wrong, but there are also, sometimes it is in ignorance that they're saying these things. And so for those who think nothing has changed, okay. And isn't it funny how, whenever we start talking about certain things of the law, well, that was under the old covenant. That was under the old Testament that's changed, but the people haven't. Okay, but let, let me just ask, for those of you who think nothing has changed when it comes to the people of God, okay, I just have a couple questions. Are God's people citizens of a geographical location or an ethnic group? That's an, that's an important question. Okay? And you need to be able to answer this. Are God's people people of a geographical re region or is it an ethnic group? Okay, so if here's the thing, if 
Jews, and many people will say Jews are the apple of God's eye. So Bernie Sanders, Adam Sandler, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, you know, George Soros, they are the apple of God's eye. If it's Jews, even though they are not citizens of Israel, they don't live in Israel. They're not citizens of Israel. They are just ethnically Jews. So again, is it, so is this an ethnicity? Is it a bloodline? I had somebody the other day tell me it's a bloodline, even though I have proved over and over again, it was never about a bloodline. And I and there's so much proof of that. It's not even funny. I mean, and God taught us that immediately with Ishmael and Isaac and Esau and Jacob. We learned that immediately, but yet people still think it's an ethnicity because again, we're taught to think the Jews are the greatest, no matter where they are, no matter what country they are a citizen of. So if it is, if it's, if it's an ethnicity and a bloodline, you got to prove that it was ever about a bloodline in the scriptures. It never was. We see in Esther where many people became Jews. It was never an ethnicity. It was a nation. It was a people who were a part of a nation who were under the law of God and who are a part of the old covenant that, by the way, waxed old and vanished away. And that is why things have changed. The old covenant is no more. The old covenant is gone. So the reality is this Israel of today, it's, it's a fraud. It's not the Israel of the scriptures. It is not connected. It is absolutely not connected. And even if they are and claim to be an ethnicity, they don't have the records to prove it like they had to have in the old Testament. Like in, you know, and we have the record of Christ genealogy, all the things were fulfilled with him. I'm not going to repeat all that stuff, but so here's the thing. If it's a geography, okay. If, if it's about geography, then why aren't the Palestinians of Israel? And it's because you would say they're of the wrong ethnicity, but again, it was never, it was never about a bloodline. So shouldn't it be the people that are living in the land, but no, because you want to exclude the Palestinians. You want to do that. So if Jews are the apple of God's eye, you know, is it necessary for them to live in Israel? And if someone is an American citizen and doesn't have Israeli citizenship, or what if they got denied Israeli citizenship, but they identify as a Jew, are they the apple of God's eye? Are they still his people? Are you going to tell me that Bernie Sanders is his people? I'm, I, that's what you're going to have to do. So we need to remember again, the first, the first covenant, it waxed old, it vanished away. So where are his people now? Are they only Jews or are they believers? This is important because remember, we already showed his people were the apple of his eye. Now, let me show you a few scriptures that's going to cause a great deal of trouble for you if you think it's Jews and you think his people is exclusively Jews and that it excludes us. Okay? You, you've got some problems. Okay. And again, I'll let any fundamental Baptist, okay, if, if you want to come on here and try to answer my questions, okay, I'm not going to let you come on here and try to educate me, all right, but if you want to come uh, or like just argue with me about dumb stuff, but if you want to come and try to answer some questions that I can't get Baptists to try to answer, I'd love to do that with you. I think it'd be a lot of fun, but Matthew 121, 
and she shall bring forth the son and thou shalt call his name Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins. Notice who Jesus saves. He saves his people. Who are his people? Does it mean Jews? Does this mean all Jews are going to be saved? Or does it mean all those of faith will be saved? Because guess what? All those who are of faith are the ones that he saves. People of faith are his people. So are you going to exclude me from that? Are you going to exclude yourself as a Gentile Christian from Matthew 121? He will save his people. Jesus saves his people from their sins. Luke 168, blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people. Are you going to keep singing redeemed how I love to proclaim it? He redeemed his people. Done. Redeemed. Past tense. Okay. Some of some people are out there teaching, no, they're still going to get redeemed in the future. No. Rede redemption has already come. It came at the cross. The deliverer came and he turned ungodliness away from Jacob at the cross. And those of faith have it. We have it. Because those of faith are his people. Luke 177, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins. So he gives knowledge of salvation to his people. Hey, I have knowledge of salvation. Doesn't that make me his people? Or did I get that from reading the Jews mail as the dispensationalists often like to say, but again, I have that. I have salvation. I have remission of sins. I think that makes me his people. How can we not be included in this? And we say, well, you know, at one time, you know, you know, the Jews were his people. Okay. The, and yes, it is true. They were his people under the old covenant. They were his people. Now, Romans 11, notice what it says. I say, then hath God cast away his people and people just read that and just assume everything people are saying about things in the future are true. And it's, this is not a few, a thing about the future. This was about the present at this present time. Paul said, said, God forbid, for I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin. God hath not cast away his people, which he foreknew. What ye not what the scripture saith of Elias, how he maketh intercession to God against Israel, saying, and you all know this passage, but Paul goes on to explain how the deliverer came. God did not cast away his people. Jesus came. Jesus paid for their sins when he died on the cross. And it's not his fault if they abide still in unbelief. Somehow people are reading this and demanding that Jews all get saved no matter what, even though the vast majority of them throughout all of history have not had faith and have gone to hell. But yet there's this future generation that all of them are going to get saved someday. No, all of those of faith are going to be saved. That's all of his people will be saved. All of those who have faith will be saved. Romans 15, 8. Now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promises made unto the fathers. So to confirm the promises. Okay, the promises have been fulfilled through Christ. And that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy as it is written for this cause. I will confess to thee among the Gentiles and sing unto thy name. 
And again, he saith, Rejoice, ye Gentiles, with his people. This was a mystery that was not understood before Christ and before the Apostle Paul, but God revealed to the Apostle Paul the inclusion of the Gentiles into the covenant and into the promises, the inclusion of the Gentiles. And so again, he saith, rejoice ye Gentiles with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all ye Gentiles and laud him, all ye people. And again, Isaiah saith, there should be a root of Jesse and he shall rise to reign over the Gentiles in him shall the Gentiles trust. So folks, you cannot, you cannot exclude Gentiles who are of faith from being the people of God. You can't do it. That is how you become the people of God through faith. Ephesians 2.13, but now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ for he is our peace who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. Anything that you want to try to claim to exclude me from the people of God, you are going to have to go to the law to do that. And Jesus Christ removed all those things. And anything that people try to use today to claim that Jews, that an ethnic group, that they have some claim to the things of God, it all comes from the law. And if it's of the law, according to Galatians, they are under the curse. You know why? Because they've also transgressed God's law. Of course, we Gentiles have been in transgression. We have a ton of things against us, but the Jews do as well. They have things against them too. They didn't follow God's law. So they are under the curse as well. So here's an important question. This is something too that you should be able to answer this. God has revealed these truths to us now, but yet dispensational Christians, it's like it still hasn't been revealed to them yet. Okay, They're always talking about all the things that Paul revealed, but it's amazing all the things that Paul revealed that they still don't understand. So let me ask you this. What was so special about Israel? Because folks, you cannot look at the Old Testament and tell me that God did not love those wicked, wicked people. That wicked, adulterous, rebellious, stiff necked These are the words God used. Nation, God loved those people. What was it that when God looked at them, that they were the apple of his eye? It's not a mystery, folks. A lot of people like, you know, it's... It, only God knows why he cares so much. You know, even Bill Grady will talk about, you know, all the wickedness of the Jews and all their history and all this bad stuff. He'll talk about all those things. But at the same time, it's just, it's just a mystery why God loves them so much. No, it isn't. It's not a mystery at all. This has been revealed. Where have you been? Did you forget to read the New Testament? It has been revealed what was so special ab about Israel. <clears throat> And what was it? Well, uh, I would like to refer everyone to a message I preached. My voice is struggling tonight, <clears throat> so you have to excuse me. Uh, a message I preached a couple weeks ago about the doctrine of grace, okay? about the doctrine of grace. We have, so the dispensationalists, they like turn into Calvinists when it comes to Israel. They believe that all the Jews are going to get saved in the future, whether they want to or not, which is just dumb. 
And it's just, it's the mystery of God's will. No, it's been revealed. And then the Calvinists, they'll do the same thing where they believe that God has chosen some people for salvation. God's chosen other people for hell. And then it's just the mystery of his will. We can't, no, we can know why some people get grace. We can know that. We know what it is that God sees that pleases him and causes those people to be accepted. That has been revealed. And I talk about that in my sermon on the doctrine of grace. And so, ah, uh, man, I've got, I've got a, a zillion scriptures. Let me just kind of hit, um, let me hit a few highlights. All right. So let's start with Titus two, Titus two 11 says for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men teaching us that, okay. So grace has taught us something a denying ungodliness and worldly lust. We should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our savior, Jesus Christ who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify to himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. So what are we seeing here? That grace of God that brings salvation, it has appeared, meaning God has showed us what it is. God has showed us why Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. God has showed us why Abel found grace, why his offering was more acceptable than Cain's offering. God has showed us why Enoch pleased him and why he was translated. God showed us, okay, you know what it was that God saw? It was faith, okay, that is spelled out in Hebrews chapter 11 by faith. Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying his gifts and by it, he being dead yet speaketh. He uses uh, Hebrews 11, five by faith, Enoch. We see in verse seven, by faith, Noah, these are, it was their faith that caused God to have grace. And there's, it caused them to have favor with God. Now, why does faith cause favor with God? Well, that's not a mystery either. That has also been revealed in the New Testament. In 1 Timothy 1.14, <clears throat> Paul said, And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. Understand that when a person puts their faith in Christ, they receive imputed righteousness. That, that faith, it causes God to see Christ rather than us. And it's Jesus who has favor with God. It's Jesus who pleased the father. First Peter one nine says, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls of which salvation, the prophets have inquired and searched diligently who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you searching what, or what manner of time, the spirit of Christ, which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand, the sufferings of Christ in the glory that should follow unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, <clears throat> but unto us, they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things angels desire to look into. God has revealed his salvation. That salvation was in Jesus Christ. So that faith that we have today, 
It's faith in the work of Jesus Christ. His blood cleanses us. The faith that they had before the cross, that faith, it was something that caused God to see Christ, the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Jesus is the beloved son in whom he is well pleased. John 3.35 says, The Father loveth the Son, and hath given all things into his hand. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. So when, when we have faith, it causes God to see Christ in us, and he no longer sees the sin. That has been revealed. That is not a mystery. So let me say this in a way too that we can all relate to. All right. When you love someone, okay, when you love someone dearly, you can't help but love their offspring. Okay. Or those in their family. So for example, okay, my mother, okay. I mean, what guy doesn't love his mom? I, I love my mom. Okay. I, I greatly love my mother. My daughter, Abby, she is very much like my mother. They have a lot of things in common. Uh, when I sometimes when I talk to my daughter Abby, it reminds me of my mom. And while I love my daughter Abby for many reasons of her own, the fact that she reminds me of my mother causes a certain favor for her as well, because I love my mom. And so when I see my mom and her, it does it. Cause it causes good feelings towards her that are based off a love I have for my mother, my daughter, Chloe. She is very much, she looks very much like my wife, Cassandra, who I have great love for. So whenever I see those things in her, that is another thing. You know, there are, there are many reasons I love my daughter. That's not the only reason because she looks like my wife, but that's that, that love I have for my wife, it carries over to her when I see things in her that remind me of my wife. And have you ever seen someone and they reminded you of someone you didn't like and caused you to have negative feelings towards them? It's like, I just don't like that person. Why? Well, they remind me of somebody I hate. And you know, and that's not really fair, but we're all kind of like that. And so understand we are filthy, dirty, rotten sinners. And we are, we are repulsive to a holy God. But when we put our faith in Christ, okay, when we, because God loved us anyway and sent Jesus to pay for our sins, it causes God to see Christ and not us. And now we have grace. We have favor with God. And so one of these days, you know, when I have, uh, when I have a grandchild, okay, I, I will love that child, not just because it's my grandchild, but because it's a child of my son or my daughter. And that love that I have for them is going to carry over to them as well and cause that great grace and favor. So we all understand why God gives us grace and favor. It's because of Jesus Christ. And there's many more scriptures I could go to on that. I, I refer you to my sermon on the doctrine of grace. There, there's so much Bible on this. This has been revealed. We now understand why God, you know, uh, gives grace and favor to some people. It's faith. And we understand that that faith 
It's not something that was in ourselves, that we mustered up ourselves. No, that faith caused God to see Christ rather than us. And so we have favor with God. Having said all that, can anyone think of what would have made God have favor with Israel? And you know what? We also know that that has also been revealed. They had favor with God because the son was going to come from them. The seed was going to come from them. God promised a seed that would come from Abraham. Later on, it, it was prophesied that it would come from David. And so we do, we see, and, and, you know, and that's another thing too. You know, we see that Northern kingdom kind of get cast away and they were called not a people anymore, but God continued his focus and his love for David. He kept David as the apple of his eye and that tribe of Judah. Why? Because that's where the seed was going to come from. What made Israel special was the same thing that makes us special. Jesus. That's what makes us special. Jesus. That's what you need to get a hold of Christians. Jesus. He's what makes you worthy of salvation. He's what causes God to show grace and favor to you. It's Christ that's in you. And that's what made Israel special. That's what made that nation special. The Messiah was going to come from there. All the nations of the world would be blessed from that seed that would come. From that seed that would come from Israel. God would bring redemption to the entire world. And Jesus is what made them special. So to listen to people today, to listen to Christians today, talk about an ethnic group that may or may not even have a physical connection. Probably do. Cause it's, you know, the odds that nobody, you know, that somebody doesn't have Jewish blood in them is pretty slim, but either way they are known for rejecting the Messiah. They say that Jesus was not the Messiah. They're waiting for another Messiah. They are trying to get back to Jerusalem and they want to rebuild a temple and do all these things in rebellion against God. And to look at those people and say, they are the apple of God's eye when they have no faith. Listen, that is claiming they are the apples of God, apples of God's eye without Christ being factored in. Listen, I told you why we have grace. I told you why we have favor with God. I told you why we are the apple of God's eyes because of Jesus. The same reason Israel was the apple of God's eye because Jesus was going to come from there. That's why. And Hagee doesn't get that. None of these people get that. They want to obsess over an ethnic group and it's wrong. It's a shame. And it is, it's spitting in the face of Christ as far as I'm concerned, and everybody needs to knock it off. Everybody needs to knock it off. They are not, okay, the a, a UN creation from 1948 that consists of an ethnic group. They are not the apple of God's eye. Do I need to say it again? Israel is not the apple of the, Israel over there is not the apple of God's eye. His people always have been, and always will be the apple of his eye because of Jesus. They were the apple of his eye before the cross because Jesus was going to come from there. God loved the son. The son had to come 
in order for his people, those who are of faith, to be saved and to be preserved and to be able to have a resurrection one of these days. And the Messiah came, and, and so all those who are of faith continued being the people of God. Those who rejected him, they were broken off. And we are now, those of us who are of faith, not just Gentiles, people of faith, we have been included in those covenants and promises. So yes, oh yes, we are the apple of God's eye. That's all there, that's all there is to it. So hopefully this was helpful to you. I'm trying to scroll through the chat. Rock Underwater looks like he was spamming the comments, but got deleted. So I have no idea what he was. I have no idea what he was running his mouth about, but uh, I'm trying to see if, make sure that I'm not missing any questions if you have them in there. But yeah, so anyway, I hope this was helpful to you. I hope you will like and share this, spread the word about it. And I still might try to figure out if I can condense a lot of this stuff down to prove how the apple of God's eye are his people. And touching his people is touching the apple of his eye because they are the center of his affection, not because you're poking God in the eye. Come on. Uh, I think we can do better than that. And so uh, hopefully this was a help. Make sure you go watch the video that I did um, uh, this week. Why do I keep forgetting what that video is called? Let me look it up real quick. Um, yeah, are we supposed to pray for the peace of Jerusalem? Yeah, are we supposed to pray for the peace of Jerusalem? Go watch that, like it. I've got another one coming up. Um, I'll probably release it on Monday on the synagogue of Satan. I'm going to release it on the synagogue of Satan showing exactly what that means. Okay. I, I think, I think most of you on here understand who that means, but I want to give just real biblical proof of what that means. I've not been th very impressed with some of the explanations I've heard. I think most people have been right, but uh, we're leaving out our best proof of exactly what that, of not, not only who they are, but why God is referring to them as the synagogue of Satan. Uh, it's important. The key to understanding it is understanding the key of David, what that means going back to Isaiah 20. So I've got a video on that coming that I think will be uh, helpful out there. And the worst theories I have heard is that the synagogue of Satan are, are replacement theology people who say that they're the Jews. And I've heard some people say that, and that's laughable, but um, be watching for that. So anyway, Thank you so much for watching this. Make sure you like and share, and we will see you all next time. God bless.